I'm Jennifer. I'm a compulsive overeater and all kinds of bulimic. And I'm honored to be asked to tell my story. So my hope is that by sharing my experience, strength, and hope, my higher power, I'm hoping, is speaking through me. I prayed about that before I came in. And I hope that this talk helps us all heal. Um, but I want to talk really sort of about the progression of my disease because it's definitely a progressive disease. And for me, it's slow. It's just, it's been a really slow progression. And sometimes it just stays in one place and walks in a circle. And other times it speeds up. And so I'll start with sort of my my first choice to use the disease. I don't know if I was born with it. I just know that at some point when I was one or two or three, I have this memory from then. I was still in my high chair. I chose to fight over my dinner with my mom. Um, so at, at that point, I chose not to eat and she chose to fight with me and I figured out from there that I can use food to control my mother. And that's, you know, sort of my birth into this disease because food for me when I'm in the disease is about rebellion. It is about, it is about being an angry three-year-old and stomping my foot and saying no. And sometimes that is to my mom, sometimes that's to my husband, sometimes that's, a lot of times that's to God, a lot, my higher power. Um, and so, um, so that's, that's how it began and that's the characteristic of it. Um, and it really hasn't changed now, and I'm 49 years old. That three-year-old still comes out all the time. I learned about bulimia when I, probably when I was a tween. I read about it in, I think, Seventeen Magazine. And I know I read about it in the Denver Post. They had this thing, like it was this new disease. I was, you know, I'm... I was a tween in the early 80s, and it was this sort of new disease. It was affecting affluent white girls, and, and um, obviously we knew it wasn't a new disease, and obviously we knew it affected lots of other people, but this is how it was being reported. And, um, and so I was reading about these girls, and they just fascinated me because they – they just got so much attention for being good, but they were rebelling at the same time. You know, they, they were being reported as, oh, they were so good at school and they were, you know, they were these perfectionists and they were, you know, they, you know, but suddenly they had this really crazy disease and that's this is so weird. And, you know, that just struck me as, as fabulous because they were getting all this self pity. You know, they were all, they were getting all of this, they were getting all this pity. I, I wanted self pity. I wanted to be able to wallow in my own self pity. And I thought, oh, this is a great 
great way to do it. And, and I, and I wanted so much to be like them. And, and even, even more, you know, Princess Diana had, she was bulimic and we didn't know this right away, you know, early on, but you know, that sort of stoked it. It's like, oh man, princesses have this. It, it just was everything I sort of aspired to. And so that was just sort of, that was what did it for me. But um, I didn't start bulimia right away. I was just sort of fascinated with this behavior and anorexia was fascinating. Like anorexics were like, perfect. I wished I could be an anorexic. And, um, but I do know that by the time I was in high school, I felt shame every time I ate or every time I was hungry. And I, I don't know why I felt shame, but it, it just always felt like I was doing something wrong or demanding something that wasn't what I was owed, or it felt like I was stealing something. So along with the rebellion came this, this shame. So by, by early, you know, I'd say by the time I was 14, I couldn't tell whether I was hungry or not. You know, it was definitely, it was, I was definitely in over my head. And, and what it did was it isolated me. I mean, I called in fat to life a lot. I did not go to pool parties. I missed pool parties. I missed swim parties. I missed food parties, <laughs> parties that had food at them. Um, you know, like the sort of little theme parties that teenagers would, would organize, um, or their moms would organize. And, um, I just, I missed them because I wasn't, I, I, I was calling in fat. I was isolating myself. I couldn't involve myself in actual, connections with other human beings and especially connections with human beings over food. If I did go to a party or if I did, um, if I did go to some sort of social event, I would refuse the food that they gave me. And then I would, you know, I mean, I would go home and binge classic. So it, it progressed. Bulimia began in high school and I didn't even know it was beginning because I did not know that laxative use was part of bulimia. And so, but I was using laxatives all through high school and then I got to college and then it just, it became classic bulimia. I started exercising, which I did not realize that exercise bulimia was also a thing. So that was a theme in my life a lot longer even than the vomiting kind of bulimia. But, um, I definitely started vomiting. I, I honestly think it was on my birthday that um, my birthday when I was 19, so March 1st, 1990, I think was my first day that I actually actually vomited. And I think I remember it because I was going to, I had a phone call with my friend lined up or something for my friend. I don't, I don't know, but that's, that's, when, um, that's when I started that behavior. And then my weight went up and down through my 20s because I would go to pay and weigh places. And I was, I was 
I was obsessed. I was obsessed with food and I was obsessed with losing weight. I mean, it was so painful. Um, and it just, it made me into this horrible, horrible, horrible person. I had, I remember one, one day was when I was back home after college, I moved back in with my parents and that was weird at the time. Um, now it's totally normal. Um, kids move in with their parents all the time. I moved back after college and my college boyfriend was visiting and we were eating dinner and I just, I had this three-year-old, three-year-old tantrum at the table in front of my parents and my college boyfriend about the food that was placed in front of me. And um, I just remember the look on his face because we'd been talking about getting married and weirdly he still wanted to marry me, but... I didn't wind up marrying him. I did wind up marrying somebody else who was terrible for me. And he, he himself was an addict and I knew he was an addict. He, he had a problem with alcohol and drugs. And I knew, I knew before we even started dating because we worked together. Um, I could see his behaviors. I could see his, the way he reacted to stress. And I knew, I knew this guy was not for me. And yet I dated him and I married him. I, I, I married him and I stayed married to him for five years. And it was, you know, such this, this disease does such weird stuff to us that we can't even, and one, we can't even tell the difference between, or I can't even tell the difference between hunger and not hunger. I can't tell the difference between, you know, love and, and not love. But during this time, I did all of the classic things that, or maybe not even the classic things. This is, this is a list of the things I did while I was in my disease. I made my addiction other people's problem. I had tantrums at the dinner table, you know, <laughs> like, you know, and my mother got so weirded out that every, like, even, even today I come over for dinner at her house and she gives me a list of the ingredients that are in the salad dressing. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, but yeah, that are in the meal. I called in fat to life, continued to do that. I already talked about how I was unable to form healthy relationships. I didn't have any friends. I didn't have any, any women friends. I used self deprecation to get people to like me. I was a compulsive spender. I wanted to eat everything I wanted to and still lose weight. You know, shame. I lived in fantasy. I had constant anxiety. I had ridiculous ambitions. You know, I was going to either save the world or write the great American novel. Those were my fantasies. You know, it, it just progressed that way. And then finally in, you know, in my late 20s, I joined or I went to an outpatient eating disorder program at a hospital um, here in Denver. And um, that, that was, I actually have to say that was helpful. I know we're not supposed to really talk about that, but it, it did take, took me away from the use of the laxatives and the vomiting. It did do that. And it did empower me to make a plan to make friends and leave my husband. So it did that, but it, did not 
take away any of the other behaviors. I still made my addiction other people's problems. I still wanted life to, to do me, to be there, to be my delight rather than to me to find something else there. Um, I, I kept shooting on myself, you know, and I, I should always do this. I should do that. I still had those ridiculous fantasies and, and I still, um, did exercise. I still was an exercise bulimic. Fast forward 20 years. I was still in that for 20 years. It was that spinning in a circle thing. I still had terrible relationships with men. I, I have no idea. It was, it was my higher power only that got me into my relationship with my husband, um, who is an incredible human being. And we have a really great relationship, mostly because of OA. But my, my bottom came when I... I was suicidal. I was starting to have a lot of suicidal ideation. I, I was writing notes, you know, to my husband, this is what I want at my funeral. I want you to know this is what I want at my funeral. This is how I want it. And I was, I was, I was going on walks during the day, just, you know, I'd go to these parks around Denver, um, just to like talk myself out of killing myself. It was, it was terrible. Um, and then one day, my husband took him a whole day to do this. He had to take off work to convince me that I needed to go to a psychiatric hospital. And so I finally, at the end of this day, agreed to it. We drove there right away. And I spent, I spent five days there, which, which was enough to like snap me back. I got on... It, it helped, they helped me with my depression so I could just have sort of normal human feelings rather than, you know, major depression, which is what I was suffering from because I was suffering, this is kind of an outside issue, but I also suffered from major depression at the same time. But it also, it also made me think about how I needed to change my life. And so that was really important. So I spent five days as an inpatient and then I spent another three weeks driving back and forth as an outpatient, doing their outpatient program. And I really got to think about my life and, and what I needed in life. And at that point, I was, I was, I was starting to get medically overweight. So I call, I call that, you know, when you're at the end of your BMI and you're just over it, as medically overweight. And I was doing a lot of shooting on myself because the, when I had been in the eating disorder program, the, the counselors were always like, you should not restrict. You should not go on a diet. You should not eliminate foods from your diet. You should, you know, all of this stuff. And for 20 years, this was going around and around and around and around in my head. And and I had one counselor even say, you know, well, you do not get on the scale. Do not get on the scale. And I'm like, well, how do I know if I'm at a healthy weight? And she's like, well, can't, can't you trust us to tell you? And, and I thought, no way. No one tells anyone that they're fat. No one in our, in our society tells them that. I mean, doctors are afraid to do that. They don't, they don't tell you that you're fat until you get diabetes, which is completely you know, if maybe if they tell you you're fat, you, you could prevent that a little bit, you know. 
so I just had all of these these terrible feelings in going on and I was using food. It was it was becoming, you know, I was an overeater. And so that's when I decided to to lose the weight. Um, I didn't really think about OA as something that I needed to do until about nine months later when I was having some problems with my compulsive spending and I joined um, another, another anonymous group. And I got into that group and I was working with them and that's when I realized, wow, I need to go to a different group. Um, I need to go to OA. And that's, that's when I started going to OA and I, I started doing the steps in OA before I even had a sponsor. And I, I completed the steps within a couple months, three months, I think. The long form of the steps. And it was the most tremendous, tremendous transformation in my life because suddenly I was able to take responsibility for my the interact interactions with the disease. I had never been able to do that when I was in a therapy. Um, that was not, it wasn't about taking responsibility for your actions within the, in the disease. It was, it was I, sort of, you know, I did a lot of blaming of my parents, um, a lot of blaming of the world. And I'm really, I love that I am free of that now because that has been able to allow me to do a living amends with my mom and dad, um, a constant living amends, you know, where it's, I can be kind to them and nice to them and I don't have to be a grumpy teenager with them even when I'm 49 and they're 80. And I don't have to be a grumpy, you know, I don't have to be a three-year-old with them anymore. And that, that's wonderful. It's, it's really repaired my relationship with my husband. And my relationship with my husband was not great. And, and that was because of me. It was because I wanted what I wanted and I wanted it now. I was, I was trying to be a three-year-old married to a 53-year-old man and that wasn't working. I was trying to be a three-year-old and mothering a, you know, a nine-year-old child. I was trying to do all of that stuff and, and I couldn't, but OA, OA has really helped me grow up and really helped me grow up really fast. So my addiction is now my problem and I'm actually starting to my, see myself as a person who does esteemable acts and seeing that as a way of liking myself, which I never liked. And I mean, I, I just, why would I like myself as a three-year-old? I don't know. But that's, that's what the steps have done for me. They've done a lot more, but I want to, um, I want to give other people time to share, but I, I can tell you that I have agency now. I, I have a life plan. I have a purpose in life. I know clearly, I have more than one purpose in life, but I know clearly what they are. I, and I know how to achieve them. And it's by working the 12 steps daily in my life, daily, 
daily I do a fourth step, a fifth step, a sixth step, a seventh step. Daily I do a first one, two, I do the one, two, three waltz daily. I, I, I do service daily by serving my, my family and my community, by going to OA meetings, all of that stuff. And that is, it, it has been a radical transformation and it's been beautiful. And so I thank you guys so much for letting me be able to share that story with you. Thank you so much. I pass. <laughs>